Hello again, Awesomers. It's me, Steve Simonson, coming to you with another podcast episode. And uh, today's episode is number 134. That's episode number 134 of the Awesomers.com podcast series. And today I'm going to talk to you about a couple things that I think are really important for entrepreneurs to consider. Uh, risk is the, is the primary topic of our discussion. Why entrepreneurs must embrace it and why they hate it and uh, what they can do to control it, or what we call mitigate it in the business. So if you've ever uh, felt like you're putting stuff at risk, if you've ever felt that uh, maybe you're out on the edge a little too far and the ice is starting to crack, maybe uh, this is a good episode for you to listen to. So let's jump right into it. First, I'm gonna tell you a story. Um, and this is actually a nice little China tip for you. So as you start to scale and as you start to grow, you're gonna wanna get product liability insurance. Uh, that's a normal course of business and it's a prudent way to protect yourself against risk, right? The, the exact topic at hand. The reality is if you buy product liability insurance, essentially it is based on the type of product you sell, which has its own individual risk profile, right? If you sell a, a silicone spatula versus a lithium you know, battery uh, pack or a drone or baby cribs, the, the three last ones I mentioned have high, much higher risk profiles than some simple piece of plastic or an iPhone case, for example. So there's low risk products, there's high risk products. So that's one part of the formula. And once they understand the risk profile of your product, then they multiply it times the sales of that product. So if you are selling that product retail, you're paying insurance based on the retail rate right? And so again, uh, just, I'm just going to use some, some round numbers here. Let's say you're buying it for, for $5. You're selling it for $25. You're going to be priced in at your product risk times your retail sales. And people out there go, yeah, obviously that, that's what makes sense. That's how they, they know the volume, right? They can't sell you a policy and give you all kinds of coverage. If you do $100 million worth of product, that product, that policy should cost more than uh, a policy that is covering, you know, $100,000 worth of sales on the same product, right? So that's how they manage the volume and the others, they manage the risk profile of the product itself. So uh, the, the point being is this is a prudent way for entrepreneurs who are building their own brands, particularly and making their own products to mitigate the catastrophic scenario. So, in, in a couple of these ideas, we can just do the math, right? And go, well, you know, a silicone spatula, very, very low risk profile, but let's say some crazy issue happens and that thing hurts somebody, um, you know, there's going to be a potential for a catastrophic loss. It's much easier to imagine what would happen if somebody flies a drone into somebody else's face or causes a, an accident or a lithium battery burns somebody's house down, right? Those and, and it doesn't take long to start doing the math on what a catastrophic loss would look like. And that's why you buy kind of insurance like that. You want to make sure that you've managed your risk profile. So one uh, ninja hack, as they like to say, or one advanced technique that, that we have adopted is that we will get our contract manufacturers to buy the insurance instead. So again, let's just go back to the math. If, if we're buying it as the um, seller of the product, then we're going to pay based on our sales volume. But if I'm buying, if my manufacturer is buying it, 
then they are paying and, and buying the policy based on their sales price to us. So they're paying for that coverage on the, the $5 rate instead of the $25 rate. So it's, you know, it can be a very extraordinary way to, to mitigate your risk. Now, you know, when we do a lot of business in China, we will go to manufacturers and we will say, you know, we need the following criteria to be met for you to be our manufacturer. You need to uh, obviously have good quality. You need to have all these other normal things. And by the way, you need to uh, provide product liability insurance. Depending on the volume we're promising, we may say, hey, this year we'll pay for it ourselves. Um, next year we're going to split it. And the third year you're going to pay for it uh, all by your lonesome. And that's just, again, we're just sharing the cost and, and uh, uh, trying to be good partners. In other cases, if we're giving them a ton of business, we're going to insist that they include it. And really, they're just going to bake it into their price to begin with. You know, let's not kid ourselves. There's an economic cost to every component that you put into a product, whether it's insurance, whether it is, you know, better quality hinges uh, or materials or otherwise. So there's, there's a cost that comes with all of this. So, right, you can, now you can start to see, well, gosh, if the manufacturer in China can buy a policy that covers us and our brands in particular, that's all it covers, and they can, do, they can price it at the $5 rate instead of the $25 retail rate, we can get the same coverage and pay a lot less money. And ultimately, we're saying, hey, that product liability should be on the manufacturer anyway. Let's make sure that things don't get uh, nuts and they're the manufacturer. Let them, you know, um, make sure they manufacture it to our specifications, which will, of course, avoid those risks to begin with. So anyway, so that's the background, believe it or not. Uh, so we have a manufacturer and for the last couple of years, they've, they've been um, going with, with the insurance. I think, again, the first year we paid, the second year they paid. And it's time for the third year for them to pay again. And basically, we got a call from the insurance company. And just so you understand insurance, on the policy, your company, you become the named insured. So they're paying for the policy, and ultimately, it's, it's them protecting their product, but we're the ones with the protection. And if they don't pay, our, we get notified because we're the named insured on the policy. This is a very common thing in business policies. So... They pay, but we get the coverage, and also we get notified if they don't pay. So anyway, we, we get a, a call. And by the way, we found a global carrier so that they can you know, work with Chinese companies, and then they can also support you know, your company, wherever you are, uh, Europe, America, South America, Australia, et cetera. Right? So we've solved all of those logistical complexities. And so anyway, first year, everything goes great. We pay you know, we don't hear another word about it. Second year, I would say around half of the second year, maybe three quarters of the second year, they say, hey, uh, the insurance company calls, hey, just so you know, we're going to go sue those guys. They never paid us and we never terminated the coverage. Normally they would, after some period of time, they go, hey, you, do, you don't really have coverage. You didn't pay for it. But they, the insurance company made a mistake. And so we were talking to the factory and the factory boss, the owner is like, well, we didn't have any claims. Why should we pay for insurance? And I, I don't remember the exact policy amounts, but we're probably talking about four or five million dollars worth of coverage, and it probably cost twenty-five to thirty thousand U.S. per year. And and the factory's going well. And by the way, for this particular factory, we probably bought three or four million dollars worth of product from this one factory. And so 
the factory owner's like, no, no, if, if we get a claim, then I'll pay, but we didn't get a claim, so I don't want to pay. And the insurance company, of course, is, they don't work like that, right? They, you pay, and the insurance company hopes you never get a claim, so they make a lot of money, and we pay, and we kind of hope we never get a claim because we don't want the problems and the headaches and the, the brand exposure and all the, the ugliness that goes along with that. And, and that's why the insurance companies are all super rich. But the owner just couldn't get it through his head that, you know, we don't pay, you know, his, his entire position was, if we get a claim, then I'll pay. And so we're like, well, if we get a claim for a million dollars, they're not going to accept your $25,000 and then pay a million dollar claim. But that's exactly the math that he's doing in his head. He's like, well, you know, I don't want to pay 25000 per year, whatever it was if we're not even going to make a claim on it. And it is maddening to me that this mentality exists, that we don't understand the basics of, you know, not just insurance, but risk mitigation and, and offering value. <laughs> I'll give you another example. So uh, for the Empowery e-commerce cooperative, which I talk about from time to time and is a passion of mine and, and something I, I really believe in, we've been trying to work with inspection companies in China to get them to, give Empowery members a better deal. And I have my team in China, we're negotiating and talking to them. And basically their math is very simple because there's a thousand dollar sign-up fee for a vendor uh, each year. And they're like, well, we don't want to pay a thousand dollars because we don't know how many customers we're going to get. And we're like, we get it. You don't know how many customers you're going to get, but next year, if it's not worth it to you, you just don't sign up and your only risk is a thousand US dollars. And we have costs that go along with introducing you as a vendor. We make media, we make content, and we, you know, we're going to translate documents. There's actual real costs that go along with this. But they are simply saying, well, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to pay money if I don't know if I'm going to get more money back. Again, they don't want to pay the thousand if they're not going to get ten thousand back. And I get it. That's a great mentality. And and I want to let you know that this is not unique to China right? Those two examples happen to be China. But each day, there are things that you do in your business, and you're evaluating risk. And the, the, the point is no risk, no reward, right? So the minute you say, well, I'm going to pay this much for Facebook advertising, and I didn't get it back in the, the first three days, so now I'm out of Facebook. You didn't do enough to, to you know, put that risk into place to manage the risk and to drive and, and minimize the risk but to drive the results. If you don't pay money for advertising, you're not going to get business, you know, at the end of the day. And I know everybody wants to talk about SEO and uh, the natural algorithm and, and Amazon and this and that, and all of that's fine. I want you to maximize that. I love that, but it all dries up over time. It all dries up over time. And even SEO today is a risk. If you go hire an SEO company, particularly the ones that lie and say they can get you to page one in three days, those guys are a massive risk. That's, that's treachery uh, personified, honestly. The other companies who go, hey, we're going to charge you two or $3,000 a month, and we're going to build links, and we're going to build this content. And in six months, you might start to see a little bit of a tick up. And, and the entrepreneur in us goes, no, no, that's, whew, that is not good ROI. I mean, that's too risky. I'll be in this thing 18 grand before I know if it works. Yet that's probably the, the methodology that will work best. And really the same goes for almost anything that you evaluate, a new product. It's a risk, right? You're putting money in 
and then you're you're hoping that you get money out. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're saying, "Hey, I'm going to shoot new videos for my product." That's a risk. You're you're putting money in. You hope that there's an ROI on it. And I, I want it to be beyond hope. I want you to manage your risk. I want you to, to carefully consider what the the risk profile is and how to mitigate that uh, that risk that is inherent in the process. But I am here to say, if you don't take risks, you're not going to get the job done. You know, I'll give you a couple examples of risks I'm taking. So Empowery is something that I've helped um, fund, essentially, and it's a giant risk. I've got, you know, small six figures into Empowery, you know, probably around $200,000. And I'll give you an honest truth. I took a risk. I hired some guys who are brilliant guys, smart guys, um, but they were big company guys, and we need little company guys. And that risk was probably a hundred grand for five or six months. And that risk failed. I, you know, that, that money, uh, you know, went through the proverbial wood chipper and came out as confetti on the other side. That's a risk I took and I did a bad job. Um, it wasn't their fault. It was just, you know, I, I, my instincts probably knew that when you're doing a startup, you need small company guys. So there's a risk that I failed on and it cost me dearly. There's other risks uh, that I've told you about where, you know, we ramped up our, our ad spend from, um, I think the numbers, we were spending three, four, 500,000 a month uh, on ads. And I'm like, let's just skip to the end. You know, when we spend 300,000, we get 3 million in sales. When we spend 400,000, we get 4 million in sales. 500,000 got us, you know, nearly 5 million in sales. So I think it was 450,000. So I think we were around 400,000 in spend. I'm like, let's skip to the end. And the next month we spent 750,000. And it's still got about four and a half million of sales for that month. Now, <laughs> that was a waste of money as it turns out. But because I'm uh, a slow learner, I suppose, uh, two months later when we think we did the autopsy on, on that spend and what mistakes we made, we went back from that 400 grand level back to 750 one more time. And in fact, uh, only got about four and a half million in sales. So. What we did is we reached the end of the internet is, is our vernacular for that. And I could talk about the, the curves of you know, supply, demand, and game theory and all that later. But uh, essentially, in that context, I wasted a half million dollars over the course of 90 days because I took a risk that was not well thought out. So you don't win on every risk. But I've taken other risks. You know, just putting a few hundred dollars in here, or a few thousand dollars in there, and having those turn into um, extraordinary products. The first time I went to China was a risk. I'd never been to China. This is back in maybe 2002. It's far more scary, in my opinion, then than it is now because you can kind of look around and see how advanced China is. But when I was going there, I mean, they had no signs in English, or very few at least. They, uh, the roads to travel to places, it would take us nine hours to get to a factory over bumpy, terrible roads and, and just a nightmare scenario. You know, people think it was a very you know, luxurious, elegant kind of idea that I'm jetting around the world to, to Asia and, you know, Europe to check on factories. And I'm telling you, it was a nightmare. And that was a risk. But some of those deals that we did and some of those products that we sourced turned into multi-million dollar products, right? Uh, we take a risk anytime we do something. And my advice to you is find those risks, find where your gut is telling you to go. And, and this seems like a good deal. Don't get talked into it. That's a different thing. When, when you start hearing stuff and your spidey sense is tingling and then somebody talks you into it, 
that's, that's where you've kind of ignored your instincts. And every time I do that, I regret it. And it costs me money. It costs me dearly. Uh, another risk, uh, I'm uh, helping fund and start a company called parsimony.com, which is to help entrepreneurs get access to kind of big technology at small entrepreneur prices. And this type of technology, this type of software, is something that I've used for the past, well, 20 plus years. Maybe, maybe it's 18 years. And it's what has enabled us to scale to, to bigger heights. It's, it's the same kind of infrastructure that big companies use, or at least modest sized companies. Let's say 20 to, to $300 million companies use this type of infrastructure. And the problem is it's just mostly out of reach for us smaller entrepreneurs. Well, why am I supporting it? Why am I believing it? And why am I risking a bunch of money on it and time, not to, not to mention? And same with my partner, money and time. He's risking every single day. And the answer is we believe in the, the project and we believe that the risk should be worth it long term if we can pull this thing off. And so I ask you to challenge yourself. What, what have you considered doing? What have you contemplated doing um, that your gut was telling you? And remember, your gut is not actually in your stomach. Your gut is the other side of your brain, which is the nonverbal side, and it kind of knows the answers, but it can't articulate them. But when, you're, when you have that feeling that, yeah, this is, a, this is a good thing, and it shouldn't be, you know, hey, for 99 bucks, I can get this super ninja hack, uh, or, or maybe it's 10,000 bucks, I can go to this, uh, you know, super secret black hat thing, and, and it'll change everything. If it's, you know, if it smells like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. So be careful of things like that. But when you're like, you know, I really think this product has merit. I, if I market it this way, I think there's potential. And if you have that foundation and you believe in something, then just go do it and, and tweak it along the way. I'm not saying that you draw a hard line and make no changes. I'm pivoting constantly in every new endeavor and even existing endeavors uh, like the insurance uh, China story. So just to wrap up that story, the guy, the factory owner basically is like, I don't want to you know, pay for insurance if I'm not going to get a, a return on my investment. That's essentially what he's saying. And we're saying, well, we got the coverage, so we got what we paid for. So you have to pay them. And ultimately, he finally did pay them, and he was resisting buying new insurance. And again, this is a 3 or $4 million a year uh, place that we buy stuff. And we, by the way, we were planning on uh, kicking it up to the six to $8 million range per year after, you know, kind of these first couple of years. And they had some new products we were interested in. We even wanted to consolidate some of our, our buying power with uh, a fewer, you know, smaller set of manufacturers. And uh, he was just uh, such a pain that we just, we just dropped that factory and he walked away from millions of dollars of sales uh, now, of course, once we said, you know, if you don't have that, we're not buying from you, then he's willing to go get it. But it's that mentality that is a risk to us. If he's not going to play by the rules, if he's not going to understand the, the very simple idea that you're paying for coverage, you know, if something catastrophic does happen, we have a backstop and we're going to do the right thing and take care of whatever the situation is. However unintended it, it was, we're going to do that and we're going to do the right thing. And this is, this is something that I think is really, really important for people to, to think about is, you know, it should be, you know, a, a measured amount of risk. And then you, you really go through the, the, the project or the process, whatever you're doing, and you accept the risk and know that the higher the risk, the more the reward. Anything that is simple, anything that is obvious doesn't really pay off that well. 
So risk is really where the, the possibility to catapult yourself into that next level comes from. So uh, that's it for today, everybody. Awesomers.com episode number 134. You can go to awesomers.com slash 134 to find uh, any show notes. I'll probably just put a, a couple show notes in. There's not much to talk about. And I don't feel like uh, having the team go uh, through the expense and the time of a transcript. Uh, nevertheless, I will have a couple links there to probably parsimony and empower and maybe a couple other things that I think are important for you guys to consider. So if you haven't already, please click that subscribe button. Uh, uh, go ahead, leave a review. Uh, five stars, why not? Uh, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that uh, I've delivered you know 100 plus hours of free content to you guys. If you like it, why not leave a review? You're still listening, so you, there must be something here for you. And uh, just don't forget, I love entrepreneurs. And I, I really do uh, encourage you guys to take a risk and, and get out there and maybe even be out of your comfort zone for a little bit. Uh, and until we meet again, I'll see you next time, everybody.